0: Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you here in uh, in the pulpit. We appreciate this opportunity. Boy, over the past few weeks, we've heard some, from some great speakers last week, from Ronnie Morris to Caleb, Randy, different ones that have spoken into our life. And I believe it was a direction that the Lord was uh, pointing us in. And I want to continue with that direction this morning and some thoughts about my own, uh, from my own testimony and just some thoughts about the work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Um, as we begin... There is a declaration, in, especially in the Old Testament, that the people of God would do in bringing praise to God. They would simply say, Praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And I want you to stand with me, and I want us to declare that to this morning. But many times when they would declare that, they would lift their hands in adoration, and they would say, Praise the Lord. Say it with me. Praise the Lord. For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Now I want you to close your eyes as you say this. And I want us to emphasize each phrase one at a time. We'll begin with praise the Lord. As you close your eyes, your hands lifted, praise the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Again, praise the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. What a declaration. I use that in my own prayer devotion at times, to just worship the Lord. Sometimes we struggle with, well, what do I say? Well, there's something good to say right there. Um, Praise the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. As I mentioned, I want to share a little bit of my testimony and lead us into some other things this morning. And I, I share this and titled, I've entitled it, Where's the Fire? Where's the Fire? Look at your neighbor and ask them, where's the fire? <laughs> I had the great privilege of growing up in a Christian home. Not everybody gets that opportunity. I did. We were Methodist. We grew up Methodist. My grandparents were part of that Methodist church. My parents were part of that Methodist church. In, oh, probably the early 60s, 1963, 4, something like that, I was nine years old at that time, and there was a revival. And the church at that point was evangelical. There was a revival, and the, the guest speaker, the evangelist, as he was speaking, he made it very clear what Jesus did on the cross. He made it very clear there is a real heaven and there's a real hell. And when he gave the invitation later that e- evening, I responded. I made a decision to follow Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I heard the Master saying, Come, follow me. I chose that. Now, over the years that passed, uh, you know, I probably was more a nominal Christian than uh, I want to really admit you know nominal can be in name only how many times Christians can be that way in name only when there's really not much going on on the inside oh we love Jesus and we were expecting his soon return but then in 1973 I was 17 years old at that time something dramatic happened that revolutionized my family my older sister. I have two older sisters, and I have a twin brother. And my older sister, she was already married, out of the home, had had a, a couple of, at least two of her children. But she was gro- going deaf in one ear. And um, with that, uh, my, her, she and her husband were introduced, or somehow they connected with a couple who invited them to what we would call a Pentecostal church. And she and her husband went. Well, she received prayer that night. And the Lord healed her. The Lord opened up her ear. Now, we're good Methodists. We'd never heard of the word Pentecostal, much less than God healing people in this day. We were saved, but my sister's healed. (laughs) My goodness. We discovered Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? A short time after that, this same couple took my sister and brother-in-law to central Missouri. Now, we're originally from southwest Missouri, but they had gone to some meetings up in Lake the Ozarks area, and, and she came back, they came back with this experience known as being filled with the Spirit, praying in other tongues. What's this? Oh, you can imagine the hubbub around my home, around the family there. <laughs> and it's like it, it created something, at least on the inside of me. There was such a hunger for the things of God. There was such a hunger for what God wanted to do. In my life, I wanted Him. I wanted more of Him. I wanted His purposes being fulfilled. And within a short time, there were some meetings in the neighboring town that we went to, and uh, the speaker there began to speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And from that uh, uh, evening meeting, uh, he gave his testimony and shared what the Holy Spirit was doing in his life, and he gave, at the end, an invitation to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was one of the first ones up there because I was hungry. The Scripture talks about being hungry for the things of God. Many times we excuse things in our lives and the reason is we're not hungry. We excuse spiritual things because we're not hungry for the things of God. Oh, that Lord would create a hunger on the inside of Him for Him. For Him and for His purposes would be fulfilled in our lives. In Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 I believe it is she says he sends away the full or the rich but he gives to the hungry oh there's there's something about hunger spiritual hunger that God is longing to work in our lives well with this hunger and and this invitation and me going down front he began to pray with people as he laid his hands upon me all of a sudden there was a revolution in my life Amen. Something was different. The Holy Spirit began to work in my life. Of course, I began to pray in that new language that the Holy Spirit was giving me at that moment. It, it maybe wasn't as fluent as I am right now in that, that language of the Spirit, but there it was. But then I was immersed in His presence and love. i would never known it like that before. God is alive. Jesus is alive. He's still doing things like this. Amen. And from that, you know, all our family members got spirit filled and and speaking in tongues. And let me just begin to share just a few of the things that begin to happen in my life. Number one, as I mentioned here, there was um, uh, just a awareness of His presence and His love for me. Wow. Secondly, there was God's word came alive. <laughs> you know even though i grew up in sunday school i mean I, we were there most every service sunday morning sunday evening wednesday evening and i have sunday school teachers and uh youth teachers and so forth they they were investing god's word in me but you know what my testimony up to that point was i would open the bible read it close it and then you would ask me what did you just read and i say i have no idea but once the Holy Spirit came into my life, it was like the, the Word came alive to me. Oh, that's what it says. See, this is a spiritual book, and it takes the Holy Spirit opening it up to us. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I remember waking up one morning with these words in my, uh, going across my mind, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I said, what's that? Where's that from? Well, of course, that's from James chapter 5. Somebody had invested that in me at one point or another. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is bringing it alive in my life. Oh, my goodness, the Word comes alive in me. Um, then as a group, as a family, but also different members in our community there uh, that had been recently Spirit-filled, we, we began to meet as a group and begin to worship the Lord. It was a home study group. Um, We would sing scripture songs, and, and again, the presence of the Lord would be there, but our hands would be extended, our faces to heaven, sometimes just tears in our eyes for what the Lord was doing in our midst. We would pray and sing in other tongues. Out of that, others, including myself, would begin to operate in some of the gifts of the Spirit. It began to open the door for that. And then someone would share from the Word of God, the, the teaching of God's Word, how important that is. Well, whether we knew it or not, we were part of what was, or what has been termed now, the Great Charismatic Movement. That God was visiting many denominational people throughout the world and filling them with His Holy Spirit. Wow, it's a huge move of God. Now, let me say this we, we, we grew up, I grew up in a, in a rural community. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jasper, Missouri. It's on Highway 71, and its claim to fame is Judy's Cafe. Anybody heard of that before? Truck drivers wouldn't know that one. <laughs> All right, well, not many know where that's at. It's, it's near Carthage, Missouri, north of Joplin. It's a community of about 1,000 people, or at least it used to be at that time. Well, um, one day, well, let me add this thought here, too, well, my parents lived on a farm, and we lived one mile east of Jasper, all right? Now, concerning Jasper, Missouri, it's farmland. Wheat, milo, um, soybeans, all, all of the above there. We grew there. So a lot of the area is flat there, and you can see a long distance because of a lot of the trees have been removed for farmland and so forth. Well, in this community, like thousands of others all over America, they had a volunteer fire department. Um, it was too small to hire any full-time firemen, but, you know, these people, these men mainly, uh, volunteered themselves that when the fire alarm went off, I, well, they would respond. They'd hop on the fire truck and go to the fire. Well, again, this is the early 70s, early to mid-70s, and, and if you were privileged to live in such a community, uh, you're aware of what happens when the fire alarm goes off. Well, the, the firemen go to the truck, uh, but they're not the only ones that go to the fire. There's usually 30 to 50 people that follow them in their cars. And so here, they, here comes uh, uh, one day, they come to our house. <laughs> they come to our house, and so there's a whole line of people in their cars coming to the fire. Now, that, that's probably illegal today, but, you know, people want to come watch something burn, I guess, or they want to just see what's happening, a little more excitement for the day, Okay. Well, they came to our house, and the firemen got to our house, and they asked, where's the fire? Where's the fire? Well, we didn't know of any fire, so we looked in all over the house and, you know, around our outbuildings, the garage, the machine shed, you you know, the barn, different things like that, and and, uh, it's, it's, uh, we don't find any fire. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, eventually they were satisfied that there was no fire. So they all left, some of them probably disappointed, didn't get to see something, okay? Well, a few days later, or as Paul Harvey says, now the rest of the story. A few days later, uh, we find out what really happened. Someone living on the east edge of town, uh, right at the edge there, could see all the way to our house, and they had called the fire department saying this they saw a flame of fire over our house and supposing that our house was on fire did what any concerned citizen would do they called the fire department well we concluded what that was and what the neighbor saw was simply a manifestation of the glory of god amen a manifestation. Did I see it? No. But somebody did. And the evidence is the fire truck came to the house with 30 people following it. Okay. Uh, So when we were asked, where's the fire? We changed it. And we said, it's in us. Glory to God. I want you to look at your neighbor and ask him a question. Where's the fire? And can your neighbor answer? It's in us. Amen. 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 It is in us. Jesus declared this, or John the Baptist did concerning Jesus. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All right. I want us to do a quick study here from from the Bible here as to when did fire appear in the Bible. Well, let's begin in Genesis chapter 4. And I want to look at two principles here. And we're going to Genesis chapter 4 here just for a moment. Genesis 4. And this is the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are offering their sacrifices to the Lord, and, and we know that Cain's was not accepted, but Abel's was. Notice verse 4 and Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now, think about this. Abel's offering was accepted. All right, now, um, he came, number one, he came the right way. He came through blood, through the blood of a sacrifice. And secondly, we we see that he came in faith as well because he knew the revealed will of God. And so when we know the will of God, we can respond in faith. And he responded in faith. Now, notice it says here, God had respect for Abel's sacrifice. Now, if you study this out, many uh, Bible scholars will say there was something visible that took place. And that literally, the fire of God came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. So there was a fire here. There was a fire. Now, let's move on to uh, a little bit further to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 6, just for a moment. Now, this is Moses' tabernacle here. Le- uh, Leviticus chapter 6. I want to I'll look at uh, 12 and 13. Notice it says here... Uh, and the fire in the altar shall be kept burning on it, and it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and, labor, uh, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Now, here is Moses' tabernacle, and God is giving instructions to the priest that there is a particular fire that offerings are to be presented on that is never to go out. But as you study this out, you find that you, you go into chapter 9, that there's, you know, I had to ask myself a question. Did, did the priest start this fire, or did God himself start this fire? Well, I think in Leviticus 9, we really find the answer here and as you study this out, you find that it is correct here. In nine, uh, Leviticus 9.23, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from, below, from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Uh, secondly, we, we, well, first off, we see fire came upon Abel's sacrifice. It's not necessarily mentioned there, but it's implied. Secondly, we come into Leviticus here. We see in chapter 9 that here Moses is uh, bringing, uh, they've built a tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, and they're offering, and fire comes down from heaven. Well, I see in this that God started this perpetual fire that the priests were to keep up with. Amen? Amen? All right, God's starting a fire here. All right. Now, in this, we see this principle again. There's a principle here. But we're going to see two principles. Number one, when the fire came. What did the fire, uh, what was God saying when he brought the fire? Number one, he accepts the sacrifice. But then secondly, in this, Moses' tabernacle, we see he's accepting the place of dwelling. He says, I shall dwell here uh, between the cherubim in the holy of holies. Oh, glory to God. Well, we, we see some 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 unique principles now god started this fire but it was the responsibility of the priest to keep this fire going they were to put the wood on it to keep going there well william booth who's the founder of the salvation army he made an interesting statement he said this the tendency of fire is on the screen here good the tendency of fire is to go out watch the fire on the altar of your heart Of course, he goes on, anyone who has tended a fireplace knows that it needs to be stirred up continually. Isn't that interesting? There's a fire in us. Where's the fire? Well, it's in us. But it has to be tended. It has to be stirred. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. Well, God starts the, the fire here. And it was supernatural in origin But the priests were required to keep it going. And it's the same with you and I. God started a fire on the inside of you. But we have a responsibility to keep that fire going. Mm -hmm. We're to stir up that gift. If you go with me to 2 Timothy 1.6, here Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he's sharing about the gift that, uh, well, that Timothy has here. 2 Timothy 1.6 from the New King James Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God. The Amplified Bible says it this way. To stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, that inner fire. Mm, My goodness. There's a gift on the inside of each and every one of us. The gift of the Holy Spirit. But he says we're responsible here for stirring it up. Glory to God. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm just waiting on the Holy Ghost to move. Smith Wigglesworth said this, I'm not waiting on the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost doesn't move, I move the Holy Ghost. You know, I think we have a whole lot of excuses in our Christian life why certain things don't happen. We put it all on God. Sometimes God's putting it back on us. Maybe I need to do some stirring. Maybe I need to stir up some things on the inside of me, that fire. Notice the word gift there. The word gift is the Greek word charisma. It means more than just an outgoing personality. Actually, it speaks of a deposit that has been made in our life by the Holy Spirit. And that, you know, that first First gift of the Holy Spirit, you know, of course, the work of salvation. We have the work of salvation, but the subsequent gift is that of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill our lives. He wants to give us that that heavenly language, that prayer language in order to to worship and and to sing. The Apostle Paul said, I will sing with the Spirit. I will pray with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. I will pray with the understanding. So there's both. We're, We're going both ways here. Stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Stir it up on the inside of us. Well, how do we do that? Well, let me give you some key pointers here. Number one, we stir up, we keep things stirred up in our life simply by being aware or conscious of His presence in our life. Amen. He's there. Glory to God. Be Holy Ghost conscious. Sometimes we just need to wake up and say, Father, I thank you that the Holy Ghost indwells me. He's not left me. He, he, Jesus said he will be with you and he will be in you. Glory to God. The Holy Ghost is there. One minister said, he, he just had to come to this point. He said, I need to realize I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. On the inside of me, I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Now, if you, if you live back in the 70s uh, like I did, there came a point where there, uh, the The thing was to put wall-to-wall carpet over the hardwood floors. Remember that, some of you? It was to put wall-to-wall carpet. Oh, this is the greatest thing here. Covering up those beautiful wood floors. Well, today we've removed all the wall-to-wall carpet. Now we've got the hardwood floors. It's interesting how we go back and forth all the time. Well, we're wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Living on the inside of you is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit... The Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We are a spiritual person. We're more than just flesh and blood. There's something of God on the inside of us by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So we, number one, we are aware of His presence. Secondly, go with me to Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. He says in verse 17 that we are to know the will of God. Ephesians five. In verse 17, he says this, uh, in verse 17, Therefore do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then he goes into what the will of the Lord is. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. (laughs) Hallelujah. Every businessman, every housewife, every businesswoman, every person, every young person needs to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, my testimony, I was filled with the Spirit in 1973. But the text here, Ephesians 5.18, it doesn't just say a one-time experience. The Greek actually reads this way, Be, being filled with the Spirit. It's a continuous flow. Amen? As you look through the book of Acts, there were times where people were filled again and again. There's just something about, well, we leak, don't we? We tend to leak. So we need a refilling glory to god we need a refilling in our lives the amplified bible says this that that but be ever filled and stimulated by the holy spirit i heard a statement one time uh, people say well um you don't need the holy ghost the baptism of the holy ghost to have to go to heaven and that is true you don't accepting jesus the gift of eternal life is what takes you to heaven but you sure do need the holy ghost to go to walmart Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> but notice how it's expressed here. Ephesians five eighteen. But be filled with the Spirit. Next, notice the next two few words. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As you follow people receiving the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, uh, it's obvious that there was something that took place there, and it usually comes out the mouth. Whether it's in other, uh, praying in other tongues, whether it's the worship, whatever it might be, but there is, there's something that takes place there. You know when you're filled, when you're singing and making melody to the Lord. Hallelujah. Many of you have been to Silver Dollar City, and they've got so many rides up there now, but the, one of the older rides, I, I'm just I'm revealing my age, aren't I? One of the older rides was the Flooded Mine. You ever been on that one? The flooded mine yeah most of us have been okay you sit in the boat you hardly do anything other than gawk at what you know they've got going on now they've added little laser guns and so forth but but uh, one of the interesting things is in this flooded mine as you start to go into the mine you'll see up to the left there there's a bird in a cage remember that bird it's a canary just seeing its heart out <laughs> and there's a little sign right underneath the cage underneath the bird that simply says this that if there is poisonous gas in the mine the bird will be dead Mm -hmm. miners would put them in in the mines you know it would help them to you know because that would usually be the first thing that would die was the canary well as further you go along you're seeing all the scenes and so forth but you get about three quarters of the way through this through this mine all of a sudden, if you're observant, you will see up to the left again, up a little bit high, there's another bird cage, But this time, the bird is not singing. He's hanging upside down. He's dead, implying, you know, there's poisonous gas in the mine, okay? Well, there's really not. But, the, you know, there is poisonous, you know, that's what killed him. Well, the thing is, you know, I've taken this and I've just said, when you lose your song, Spirit-filled believer, when you lose your song, you're dead. Be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit, a continuous flow of the things of the Spirit in our lives. Hallelujah. Romans 12 and verse 11. Romans 12:11 says this, "Not lagging in diligence, fervent. In spirit, serving the Lord. I like the way the Amplified says it. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit, serving the Lord. Be aglow and burning with the spirit. How are we doing, folks? How are we doing? Look at your neighbor and ask him, where's the fire? Claude, look at Melinda and tell her. Ask her, where's the fire? All right. Where is the fire? Be aglow with the Spirit, burning with the Spirit. Now, notice it says this, serving the Lord. How are we to serve the Lord? Is it depleted, out of touch with the Spirit? Many times we do. Sometimes we have to put one step in front of another, but that's not God's best. God's best is we are filled with the Spirit speaking to ourselves, whether it's in other tongues, whether it's in songs and hymns, but allowing the Spirit to just motivate us. John Wesley told his ministers, he said, catch on fire and people will come from all around to watch you burn. Maybe that's part of our problem. We're not burning. We're not burning very brightly. But there's the oil of the Spirit that Jesus wants to add to what we've already got. And then lastly, and then the third principle here, I'm not quitting yet, just because I said lastly, don't get your hopes up, okay? Uh, the third thought is this. Number one, we said we are aware of His presence. Secondly, we are to be being filled with the Spirit. And then thirdly, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in that new language that the Spirit gives you. Jude twenty says this but you beloved build up yourselves founded upon your most holy faith this is amplified make progress rise like an edifice higher and higher praying in the holy spirit hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with howard carter uh he, he is no longer living uh, but he he started the first pentecostal school in england he was part of the assemblies of god He wrote a book on the the work of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and he made this statement, and I I always appreciate this statement here. He said this, Today, if we wish to be sure that we have the New Testament experience, we must expect to speak with tongues when we receive the Holy Ghost. We must not forget that the speaking with other tongues is not only the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, it is a continual experience for the rest of one's life to assist in the worship of god it is a flowing stream that should never dry up and that will enrich the life spiritually amen amen enrich the life spiritually glory to god i want to go there don't you i want to help you go there and i want you to help me to go there that we're being filled with the spirit hallelujah now let's go back to Our thoughts, again, our principles, number one, from the Old Testament, we saw that uh, uh, when the fire came, there was two main principles. Number one, God was accepting the sacrifice, amen? Secondly, He was accepting the place of residence. We saw that in Moses' tabernacle. Now, let's go to 2 Chronicles 7. 2 Chronicles 7 here, and as we do, I think that's a familiar chapter with many of us, But let's back up just a moment to 2 Chronicles 5. It says here, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. This is chapter 5, 2 Chronicles, verse 13. When the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising And thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, Say it with me, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let's say it together again. Praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let's lift our hands and say it. Praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In one sense, it was a response. It was a response to what God was doing. Hallelujah. Then you slip over to chapter 7 here, verse 1. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. Catch that, and the the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the, the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What are we just seeing here? Number one, the fire has come down. All right. Let's look at our two principles. Number one principle, the sacrifice has been accepted. Mm-hmm. It's the blood sacrifice that came in faith. Secondly, God is accepting the new temple here. He's going to dwell in that holy of holies. Okay. So he's moved from Moses' tabernacle now to Solomon's temple. But I want to take you one more place where fire came. Now remember my story. You know, the, the neighbor saw a flame of fire over our house. Wow. Wow. One more place, and that's Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 here. Listen to what he's saying here. Listen to what the text says. Acts chapter 2 will begin with verse 1. Did the fire fall in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. When we see the fire, you've got to look for principles. What's the principle? Number one, the sacrifice. What's the sacrifice that's been given? Well, it's the ultimate sacrifice. The Lord Jesus, just 50 days earlier, had given His life, and He was resurrected from the dead. As Hebrews tells us, In chapter 9, with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And then verse 28 of chapter 9, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. The sacrifice has been given, the ultimate sacrifice. First principle there. But then we see the fire come down. But where does it come? Is it just coming into a room? No, that's not the issue there. Now, uh, in my understanding, in my study of this, the, the first off, there was one flame that came down, but then it divided over the heads of each of these individual disciples here, 120 of them, the fire came down. What was the prin- second principle? Second principle is this. He's accepting the temple, the new place of residence. And what is the new place of residence? It's you and I, brothers and sisters. Glory to God. The fire came down and we need to look back at that and say all right what is god saying to me what is god saying to me and you begin to follow a pattern that is throughout the the book of acts here people were encouraged to receive the baptism of the holy spirit five times there were they were to, to to receive the baptism of the holy spirit after they had been saved amen We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 and 20, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In one sense, we are the portable tabernacle of God. Write that one down. You, me, we are the portable tabernacle of God. See, I want an awareness just to rise up on the inside of you. You're just not flesh and blood. Yes, we are saved, but we're also the containers of the Holy Ghost. He lives on the inside of us to direct us and to guide us, to fill us. To be motivated by and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. But with this, notice, they were all filled with the Spirit and what? And began to speak. What did they speak? It says different languages. Now, this language, as we know from the text, that it was in known languages, unknown to the speaker, but known to some of the hearers. Okay. Acts 19 it talks about Paul finding a group of disciples and he asked them, Have you been received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Notice that, since you believed. A subsequent act of God here in our lives, an experience that's different than salvation. And they said, no, we've not even heard of the Holy Ghost. Well, he found out they had only been baptized through John's ministry, the, uh, John the Baptist. But he led them to Christ. He, uh, they, he gave them an understanding of what Jesus did. And they followed in water baptism. Then it says he laid hands on them, and they, re, they, were, they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Now, one more history lesson here. I love history especially about the things of the church and so forth, I want to take you to December 31st, 1900. None of us were there, okay? My dad was born in 13, so uh, he wasn't even there. And this is in Topeka, Kansas, okay? There's a, uh, there's a man there by the name of Charles Parham, and he is, uh, he's got a Bible school. He's been encouraged to have a Bible school, and, and so he starts it in October of 1900 there in Topeka, And um, as he, uh, if they've come to the Christmas, New Year's uh, break there, he gives his Bible school students an assignment. He said, I want you to go into the book of Acts, and I want you to find out what it is that, what is the evidence of somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he took off to Kansas City to do some preaching up there when he came back. He asked his uh, students well what'd you find out because at, up to this point very few people were uh, actually being filled with the spirit in the sense of the bible way of being filled with spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and they all came back with this conclusion they were all uh it, they were unified with this they simply said um every recipient baptized in the holy spirit spoke in other tongues this is what they came from the bible saying Every recipient spoke with that new language. Oh, okay. And then immediately, one of the students came to him and said, "I want you to pray with me that I'll receive this, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit." And he he objected there at first. He said, "Well, I'm not filled with the Spirit. I don't have this this Bible language yet." She said, "No, go right ahead. I've got faith enough here for both of us. If you'll lay hands on me, I will receive the Holy Spirit." And she did. And she began to pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, that. And then there were others, that students, that were filled. He eventually was filled. There were ministers that started coming, hearing what was going on here, and they would begin to be filled with the Spirit. Well, this is the beginning point, which takes us to Azusa Street, that takes us to the Assemblies of God beginning. It takes us on over, through the whole 20th century. One man referred to it, Jack Hayford referred to it as The 20th century is the the century of the Holy Spirit because of the move of the Spirit that took place throughout the 20th century. Now we're in the 21st century, and the Holy Spirit has not stopped moving. Glory to God. There are things He wants to do in your life, in my life, even today in the 21st century. Glory to God. I think we need to be hungry like that. What is the evidence? Have you accepted the evidence? Have you, for yourself, have you received the Holy Ghost? So that's my question for you today. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If you haven't, it's time. It's time to to jump in there and move on with the things of God. Are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry? Are you hungry for what God wants in your life? He wants to fill you. Now, the Holy Spirit has already been given. On the day of Pentecost, they had to tarry 10 days or so waiting for the Holy Spirit. They did our tarrying, okay? We, the Holy Spirit now has been given, and we are asked to simply receive. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you're born again this morning, you are a prime recipient for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But let me back up just a moment here. As we begin to draw... To a conclusion here, I want to ask a question here this morning, and that is this. Before a person can actually come into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they have to be saved. They have to know that they're going to heaven. You need to be what the Bible calls born again. And if you're here this morning or you're listening on, uh, online and you've not been born again, you have not responded to Jesus' invitation, come, follow me then He's inviting you to do that right now. He's inviting you to take that step. And every person that Jesus ever called, He called publicly. It wasn't some of this secret disciple. He always called them publicly. And it's the same with me. When when that evangelist gave that invitation for me, It was very public. There was a lot of my friends and a lot of the community there, adults and family. But I made a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. There has to come a point that you decide that. You make that decision. You come and follow Jesus. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment.